Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And MS09B Dom. Yes, but unbeknownst to us, someone else was deployed to Earth to review this fanfiction. For some reason, they weren't telling us that. I don't know why. (laughs) Well, that's the problem with Operation Meteor. Everything goes wrong. (laughs) Why would you just tell the pilots that other pilots are also going to be there? Everything went wrong. (laughs) Anyway, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, Hello, I am Chris. This is Chris. Hi, Chris. Chris is my sibling. That's right. Who has come on to the podcast today to help us out. Yes. Because our memories of this particular franchise are a little shaky. My memories of this particular franchise are non-existent. So Chris being here is significantly raising our level of Gundam Wing knowledge. Yes, thank Correct. you so much for coming on. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Highly appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> but Tori, both you and Chris were super into Gundam Wing back in the day, unlike Dom and I. Yeah. <laughs> what were your experiences with it from ages past? Well, I think we both watched it around the time it was coming out on Toonami, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were pretty young. Extensive amount of watching the dub was the first yeah. exposure I had to no, Gundam Wing. I feel like I was maybe 12 and you were 10. Does that yeah. sound right? Yeah, I mean, it came out in 2000, so that sounds oh, about okay. right. Yeah, 11 and 9, I guess, technically. If it depends. Depends uh, on when we started they, watching it. They aired that show for, like, five years. <laughs> yes. So. Well, we loved it. I mean, I loved it, like... It, and actually, I recently rewatched some of this and Endless Waltz, and it really holds up in a way I didn't expect. I feel like I went through a really critical period with it in college where I was like, eh, this isn't like, you know, as, as I don't know, the characters are, had these flaws that were very unappealing. I feel like I come back to it and I'm like, well, they're child soldiers. Like, they're, they're actually doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I feel like a lot of the ways that they function while being very different from how a normal person functions, are actually useful to what they're trying to do. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I don't know anything about it. Was this one of those good dubs or one of those notoriously bad dubs from the era? From what I recall, it was more on the side of being a good dub. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was fine. Yeah. um, It's been a long time since I watched it, so... Those of you who go out and watch the dub now, based on this recommendation, do not blame me. (laughs) Yes. I watched most of Endless Waltz gearing up to this in the dub, because I figured that's what the writer probably had to. And it it seemed like a fine dub. Uh, Duo sounded like he was like 25. Yeah. Duo has the the deepest... Or is it Duo or Troa has the deepest voice of any... No, maybe... Hang on. I mean, Troa should have the deepest voice. Yeah. I don't um, remember the dub well enough to really... No, I was thinking about the um, the original Japanese, actually. Oh, yeah. I was trying to compare it, because I think Duo d- does also sound... Because one of them is voiced by a woman, I think Katra. Katra, gotta be Katra, right? Katra and Hiro both are, I think, is Hiro? Or am I wrong about Within that? Within the realm of possibility. I don't know, so, but anyway. Were most of these Gundam pilots named numerically except one named Hiro? Okay, so there's a lot going on with that. And one of those things is that, yeah, they're numbered, mm-hmm. and, like, most of them make sense in the numerology. Hero, I'm not so sure about. I mean, he, from what I understand, his name 
and this, I don't know if I can cite the source on this, but his name was a combination of the term hitotsu mm-hmm. from Japanese and obviously sort of stuck together with the term hero. Mm-hmm. So the kanji mm. might have a one in it. But the thing about Troa that I read recently is that, you know, all these pilots, it, for people who don't know Gundam Wing, um, many of them, I think three of them, have adopted the names of people who are deceased and... Troa got his name from the original Troa Barton. Um, but apparently there's some evidence that as a child, he was supposed to be named Triton Bloom. And Triton being like three, like try uh. would actually fit well for the three. But that's like where the primary evidence comes from. He was supposed to be a sibling to a, a Bloom woman part yeah. of this family that yeah catherine uh, blue catherine who, yes who ends i up forgot meeting and having a yes. relationship where they're very similar to right they sister. have very sibling <laughs> relationship when they're together in the circus so yeah. um there's some evidence that they're siblings but did either of you two engage in the gundam wing fandom read any fan fiction anything like that fan art anything definitely fan art i was that age you know 12 loved <laughs> to go online and Google various fan arts, and sadly, this was in the era before any sort of search filters exist, so I <laughs> existed, so I got a lot of stuff I did not want to see. Ruined my innocence, I'm not going to lie. Oh, Gundam Wing specifically did, huh? No, it was more <laughs> Digimon than Pokemon. But anyway, Gundam Wing, yeah, I have a, and I was saying before we started recording, I have an art book that I got of Gundam Wing art. Like, I was pretty into the, the art aspect. I just didn't read as much fan fiction. I probably did read a Gundam Wing fan fiction, but I wasn't a fanfic reader, so it didn't stick with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also not much of a fanfic reader kind of even now, but well, that's definitely what we like to hear that. on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I made an, uh, you people are the exception. <laughs> yeah. See, Chris you and I are, are we're, we're very alike thing. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it's very helpful. I'm glad you chose to read a fanfic for this purpose. For me, my Gundam Wing experience is that I played the Super Nintendo fighting game with my freshman year college roommate. <laughs> That's it. And you gave me the, the ROM of that at some point in, um, I'm guessing, after college. <laughs> it's a pretty good fighting game. Yeah, I, I really like the intro song. Yeah. The intro song to that fighting game is pretty cool. <laughs> you know, speaking of, I love the intro song to Gundam Wing. Like, I went online and found, like, the MIDI files of it, because that's, like, all you get at the time. You couldn't download music right. yet, you know, from the internet. So I get the MIDI files on a website and save that, so I could go back to that website and play the MIDI files so I could listen to, um, what is it, Just Wild Beat Communication, or is it called Just Communication? I can't Just remember. Communication is, yeah. I think, the Just official Just Wild Beat Communication. I loved that song. It we, still made me so nostalgic to see that opening when I watched it. Amado and I might be thinking of the second opening or something. I think. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. You remember that's the, music the first, o- that's the first opening for yeah. the anime. Yeah, I also great. I can remember the title There's of it. also a song for Endless Waltz that was really good. Uh, I are we talking about Last Impression, one. which plays when... Uh, hero gets wing zero. Maybe there's also it's. I was actually. I might be thinking. I feel like their name was like white. White reflection. White reflection. Yeah. I really loved that when I was a kid. So. So you didn't have any like real uh, Gundam Wing. Experience. No. Leading into this, I tried reading the manga and I watched most of Endless Waltz, and that's about it. Um, the reason that I'm choosing a fanfic from a franchise that I just had no familiarity with is because it was actually our first request from our first fan email. 
first. To cover a Gundam Wing fanfic. Yes. And only. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not our only fan email, actually. That's true. We've had Shockingly. at least two. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and by that, he means two. Yeah. But I figured if someone was asking for it, then we may as well try to accommodate it. Mm-hmm. And they were interested specifically in the phenomenon where um, a lot of Gundam Wing fans on the internet seem to hate Relena with a passion for some reason. And the fanfic I chose, because I was choosing a good fanfic, did not really show that. But in trying to educate ourselves about Gundam Wing, Dom and I did find this Angel Fire uh, hosted story summary. Yeah, I because actually I, found that too. Because well, I'm, I'm familiar with, with um, Universal Century a little bit, mm-hmm. but the, the first original Gundam, and a little bit of Iron-Blooded Orphans, and some of the extremely new, extremely old stuff. And so a lot of the stuff in the middle that I, I missed at the time, I had, didn't have cable growing up. I was actually kind of envious of people who were fans of Gundam Wing. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and so we, I was looking for something comprehensive to explain to me the, the storyline. We came across this Angel Fire site. It is a little partisan, you might say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's a quote. She's, uh, I, I say she. I was just assuming the author is female. I have no idea. I should not make that assumption. Actually, there was a they, lot of dudes who wrote about Gundam um, a lot more. That's true. <laughs> I just had this, like internal assumption that the people who hated Relena were not the dudes. Oh, no, they were totally the dudes. Okay, Like, not always, but it was everybody, and I still don't completely understand why. But one thing I do want to say is that Gundam Wing was, it's kind of on the map for having a much larger female fan base than any of the other Mm -hmm. Gundam series. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's definitely known for that. Yeah. This summary is kind of, uh, I couldn't read it too closely, it's kind of stream of consciousness, but... (laughs) They tend to have their most uh, most impassioned comments whenever the subject of Rulana comes up. First, for example, in the summary, um, Hero enlists in a fancy school where Rulana, I hate her guts just like Selfie, goes. <laughs> Selfie from Final Fantasy. In a parentheticals. Yeah. Yes, in parentheticals. <laughs> uh, she's curious, so she tries to invite him to her birthday party. He says, I will kill you. Good for him. I would have done the same thing. Like, okay. Like, that... every time she's mentioned. <laughs> that? No, I'm sorry. I just want to stop right there and say that I read that part too, and that's kind of where I stopped reading, because I was like, why? Why would you say I'd kill you to someone who tried to invite you to their birthday party? Like, that's a really nice thing to do. Also, I, that first comment got me. I hate her guts just like Selfie. Now, I can understand hating Selfie from Final Fantasy VIII, but I don't know why you would hate Relena in the same way, because they're totally different kinds of characters. I know. Because they both talk about trains too much. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> not, not at all. I do. Yeah, I remember when Relena was just going on about how awesome trains are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at some point I do want to discuss Relena hate, but because I, I don't get it either. I really don't. But we can probably come back to that, I guess. Uh... I I experienced enough Gundam Wing that I think I sort of understood the fanfic. The fanfic for today is called Anna Texas. It was written, or at least started to be written, in 2000. I think it took more than the year 2000 for the author to finish. It was written by Alex E-C-I-N-Z. I don't know how to say it. Alex Ekins. <laughs> it's, it's pronounced Dormians. <laughs> exactly. It's just snake backwards. Um, some <laughs> author named Alex, and we are providing a link to the website. It is still hosted on the author's website, uh, you know, their own personal website. We're providing a link there at bit.ly slash rfrwing, so you can check it out. It's a fairly competent website for the year 2000, mm-hmm. seems to me. 
Looks nice. Still looks pretty nice. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it's very clean. It's shocking that it actually is from the year 2000. Yeah. And the author, well, uh, I say that actually, I don't know that it was from the year 2000. It might have been recreated or updated later. The author wrote a lot of Gundam Wing fanfic and a little bit of Middle Earth and a little bit of random other stuff. The premise of this fanfic is that it's coming out of Endless Waltz, the Gundam Wing sequel. But the villain of that story, one more time, Marie Maya. That Mira is my Maya. recollection of the pronunciation. <laughs> Mary Maya? My recollection is Mari Maya. Mari Maya. But I think that's the dub pronunciation for all intents and purposes. So. I'll just call her Double M for this whole <laughs> fanfic. Eminem? Oh, no. Eminem. <laughs> uh, good old Eminem emerged stop. from that victorious. Just stop. <laughs> we, oh. we, we can just cut to Slim Shady. Uh, <laughs> I'll just go with Mari Maya. God damn it. I don't know. <laughs> Now, this is what we need a super fan for. Chris, were you able to identify exactly where in the continuity of Endless Waltz this fanfic diverges? Actually, yeah, I think I kind of, I think I can kind of tell. Um, they only ever really hinted it. Like, events of Endless Waltz get mentioned. A lot of them line up. Mm -hmm. uh, it feels like where this diverged was specifically in the fight between Wu Fei and Hiro Yui. I got that impression. I hadn't even seen that in Endless Waltz. It seemed like that had to be the point. Um, Wufei has like like important flashback towards the end of the fanfic to that. Actually, there's frequent mention of it, including the important flashback at the end. There's frequent like mentions of Hero and Wufei's fight in that mm -hmm. particular context. So yeah, I think that's a good intuition. And basically, uh, what happens in the original is that Hero refuses to fight Wufei, and Wufei stands down. Is that it? It's fairly close to that yeah yeah i mean that that's sort of how it works um in that fight between hero and y hero yui and wufei there's actually a difference in the dialogue when uh hero mentions that the mario maya's conflict will just continue the cycle of violence over and over again wufei i believe asks him in response to hero wufei says that humans don't change um in the original, Hero re responds to that by saying, how many times am I going to have to continue killing that girl and her dog? Which, mm. to me, was a very effective line when I originally watched Endless, uh, Endless Waltz, and yeah. sort of still is now. Um, in this, he just says that he won't fight a madman. And in both of them, he stops fighting and falls into the ocean. But in this one... I feel like the implication was that that line also changed Wu Fei in Endless Waltz. And in here, just saying that he's a madman didn't have that same effect on Wu Fei, so he continued to follow Mari Amaya and uh, fought against the Gundam pilots, thus defeating them and therefore resulting in Mari Amaya's world na nation uh, order. What's it called again? <laughs> The World Nation Order. World Nation, yeah. yeah. The World Nation. And she set herself up with the title of Dictator. Now, it's a bit of a difficult fanfic to talk about chronologically, because it's one of those things where there's like five different plot threads, and then they all come together at the end. Yeah, very like, Gundam Wing-like. Like Love Actually sort of thing? Yeah, it's just like Love Actually. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I couldn't even tell the difference. <laughs> Similar in tone, also. <laughs> no, in tone... It's, it's a fanfic where I've read darker, dark 
fan fiction, but nobody is happy in this fanfic at any right. point. Now, this is an interesting point, actually. This is one of my notes was, like, I thought <laughs> the characters were just darker in this fic than they are in Gundam Endless Waltz. Like, they had almost no interpersonal banter, and it was, like... They almost, they felt so alienated and cold. Like, it's weird to think that anything could be darker than the child soldiers of Gundam Wing. Yeah. But they almost brought, like, a greater darkness because there wasn't any humanizing in in, in a lot of ways. Like, it was humanizing in the sense of they're, like, very troubled and tormented. But it was more about their traumas than it was about their, like, hey, occasionally we crack a joke. Nobody cracked a joke. How dark was the original Gundam Wing? It's... Dark kind of under the surface. Hmm. Like, the characters, the five pilots, sometimes really engage a lot, like, just five teenagers hanging out. Not as often as, like, Sailor Moon. But (laughs) there's also a lot of light moments where they come to a realization of their own trauma and they rectify it and they bond with each other more or they decide, you know, the reason they fight is for good or for peace or... They decide not to fight for a noble reason. And this, there was a lot more... And in Gundam Wing, actually, like, to go on, in Gundam Wing, there's actually, like, lots of digging into their trauma as well, which is why it's easy to see it as a dark series. But in this, there were no light moments to take away from that same dark digging into the trauma. Okay. Yeah, I can think of, like, two moments in the entire fanfic that are kind of lighthearted people enjoying each other's company. Mm-hmm. And one of them is, like, chapter two with Noin... Is that how you say her name? Yes. Uh, with Noin, like, kind of carving out a space of life on the, like, prison mining asteroid. So, you know, still not super happy. And then towards the very end, who is it? Sally talking to one of the Chinese, like, the Chinese rebel old man whose name I forget. Lu. Lu Wen, I think Lu is Wen. his name. Lu Wen, like, yeah. They, they right. get to relax and joke a little bit. Yes. That's out of, like, 14 chapters and two exactly. epilogues. <laughs> like. And it's funny, because, yeah, like I said, Gundam Wing, I thought it was a pretty dark series, but it still had lighthearted moments, just like life. This was very dark all the way through, well, I think. But it makes sense thematically, because all of the main characters, basically, are people who, well, almost all the main characters, are people who fought against this tyrannical government, lost, and have been suffering under it one way or another for the last, how many years in the future is this? Seven? Seven? Seven. Last seven years? I say almost all the main characters because two of the main characters are the tyrannical government. Well, for one thing, we do actually get a fair bit from Mar- Marimea's perspective, but we get even more from uh, Wu Fei's. Wu Fei is pro- probably the central character, if anybody is, of this fanfic. I don't know. I suppose. One of them, at least. Um, yeah, this kind of points back to like where like you and Chris were talking before. And Chris said, like, the, the Wu Fei's character is the central change, the central difference between this alternate future and the future that Endless Waltz implies for us. And that's a lot dependent on his battle with Hero, which haunts him. And it, it's interesting because, yeah, like, Wu Fei continues to be just as misogynistic and kind of frustrating as ever. Yeah, and weirdly, but, I felt like he had gotten over a lot of those qualities yes. by the end of Endless Waltz, I or kinda, even by the beginning of Endless Waltz. Exactly, I felt like that was the thing. Like it was Wu Fei's lack of character change almost that propelled the whole thing, and that's why he seems so central. I guess I feel like in one of his internal monologues towards the end, he kind of thinks about having doubled down on the decision that he made 
like over the course of the past seven years. At this point, when the fanfic is going, he's basically the only person who Marie Maya trusts. And he's not even dedicated to her ideologically, specifically. Like, she, there's kind of some tension where she trusts him, but also wants to keep an eye on him because she can't quite trust anybody, because how could she? She's a tyrannical dictator with, like, no friends or family. Um, and he, he keeps agreeing, like, no, I'll, I'll keep working with you for the X, you know, amount of time in the future. But he never, like commits to saying, like, no, I'm with you for the long haul. And so that's kind of a source of anxiety for her in this fanfic. Yeah, actually, it's in the first chapter that mm-hmm. she says they have an annual ritual of her asking about his loyalties to her. And she specifically thinks, like, oh, well, I don't necessarily doubt his loyalty, but a condition of the agreement we made is his freedom to leave at any point in time. So I have to ask in order not to feel insecure. Mm-hmm. That was a really interesting point, I think, actually, because she doesn't show a lot of insecurity in general. Yeah, um, honestly, I felt like Wu Fei is sort of being upfront about the fact that he wasn't entirely with the uh, World Nation Order was potentially, like, given Marimaya's character, a source of comfort to her because she knows, like, he's very upfront about how limited his loyalty is as opposed to all of the other people who are betraying her secretly behind her back yeah so she like actually feels (laughs) she can kind of trust that but then that means she kind of has a breakdown later on when she stops being able to trust him when he's doing stuff going off and not telling her about it Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like the most upset she gets in the whole fanfic even when coups are happening Yes. The other person she keeps around is, of course, Relena, who is just in a continued position like she was in Endless Waltz, kind of as a captive confidant. And at, at this point, seven years later, she's kind of got some Stockholm Syndrome going on where she's like, well, Marie Maya's not that bad, probably. Maybe she'll get better. So I did catch the first episode of Gundam Wing. Did Hero end up killing her like you like promised? <laughs> yes, this is zombie Relena, who uh, was introduced halfway through the Gundam Wing anime. Sweet, I gotta watch this show. <laughs> I'm making some assumptions. Yeah. No, the only reason, you know, to clarify for a general audience, because I feel like even people who watch Gundam Wing don't get this, the only reason he says I'm gonna kill you is because she knows too much about him. Like, he was revealed as the Gundam pilot, and he has to kill her. Now, telling her he's gonna kill her seems really ridiculous, and I don't know why he did that. Seems kind of... But he was doing it for like very practical reasons not to defend murdering people but like i don't i think it seems really weird if someone's just like hey i just met you i'm gonna kill you if you don't have that context yeah that's the kind of thing you say after someone invites you to a birthday party (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that is how i've responded to birthday parties he's not just being a jerk like he's just really emotionally stunted and is like the reality is i will have to kill you at some point hey i I just just want you to know and this is crazy (laughs) (laughs) i'm not sure it's even that like Hero's character is so much about the greater good, about doing mm-hmm. what is necessary in order for the mission to be accomplished, that he's thinking at that point, you know, right, of course, it's very, it's, it, it is still a little bit weird that he's telling her, but, you know that's the least consolation that he can give to someone that he's yeah. going to have to kill. No, yeah, that was, like, exactly my point, is, like, it yeah, is, it's totally messed up. It does make you a very he's bad... not doing it to be a jerk. He's doing it because he thinks that he has to kill her and he just wants to let her know, hey, that's right. gonna happen. And <laughs> sort of what's comes up in Endless Waltz and was revealed in, in Episode Zero, 
uh, the manga, if people have read that, um, is that a lot of the conflict in his character is between uh, having to sacrifice other people in order to accomplish his mission, in order to, to reach the greater good. That's sort of why he says the line, yeah. how many times am I going to have to kill that girl and her dog? Uh, in Endless Waltz is he's referencing uh, the civilian casualties, which happened almost yeah. like fairly largely out of his control from a mission that he did before the events of Gunpoint. Right, and that's his like character turning point. <laughs> what were you going to say, Dom? I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, sorry. I was just going to say it makes you a very bad secret agent. Mm. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually think Hero is not a very good secret agent. I mean, no, but... you, you don't make direct contact with your target and tell them what's up. You're not Arsene Lupin, you know. It's because he has a crush on her, though. Like, I feel like that's the whole motivation is that he's like he doesn't completely understand what it's like to have a crush on someone, and he's like a teenage child soldier, so he's just like. Uh, I like this person. I guess I should tell them that I have to kill them. <laughs> it's the child soldier way of pulling pigtails. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Speaking of secret <laughs> agents, but better ones, the former preventers are kind of all main characters in this fanfic, and they end up kind of being the core of the rebellion against Marimea's uh, world government. Them and what's his name shows up um, with the blonde hair and the Catch being it. a peacecraft. No. Oh, Zex. Zex Merkees. Zex Merkees. What number is that? A six in German. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, so so Zex kind of joins in on the rebellion later, and he's he's kind of chilled out. He's just like, no, I'm I'm just I'm just being a rebel. I'm less likely to just mysteriously not give all the information I have or whatever whatever he used to do. It's very Zex. He's just yeah. <laughs> Shows up, presumed dead. Yeah. That's about his character, really. That's really his character. <laughs> Goes to do something to defend his sister, who is Relena. Yeah. In case y'all didn't know. Spoilers for Gundam Wing in this Gundam Sorry. Wing fanfiction podcast. Wait, I thought we already did our spoiler alert. Hey, we're reading a fanfiction about something. It's going to get spoiled if you haven't read the series. All right, there Not you go. only is it a fanfic of something, it is a fanfic that takes place he, at the end of the series. Yeah. <laughs> and then Kat... How do you say his name? Kat... Katra. Katra. Katra is the other person who ends up being core to the rebellion. And he's what he what's he been doing in this? Um what have any of them been doing? Noin has that whole like chapter two subplot where she was kind of sent to a mining what do you call it? Uh prison, prison. work camp yeah. for years. Work camp, yeah. And yes. like kind of manages to eke out a, a role there such that she even stays on afterwards. The the administration of the war camp is like, hey, you served your time, but can you stick around and yes. just help us keep running it? Wait, is that what happens? Because I thought it was more like a conditional thing, like, you can be released if you continue to work uh, for us. Maybe I read it differently. Well, that's how I read it, because that would make the most sense. I thought she, like, actually would you served work... out her time. Yeah, like, I don't know. It makes I, more I, sense. I think but... that this bugged me regardless of which of those reasons was <laughs> yes. true, because that seems very out of character for Noin, especially Noin at the end of, of Endless I feel like the more reasonable option was that Noin, you know, recruits everyone in the prison, becomes a space pirate, <laughs> and then we basically just have Space Captain Harlock running around in so that would be belt. great that sounds cool <laughs> you know can i just say though that i loved noin when i first watched gundam wing like she was like this hero to me because she has this whole thing about like 
this this differs from my current ideology because of the whole soldier issue, but she said, like, soldiers don't have gender. And that was, like, gender her whole thing. doesn't exist on the battlefield. Right. And that was her whole thing. And it, like, in a very misogynistic universe that Gundam Wing has created for us, especially when we have very misogynistic characters, like Wu Fei and, like, all of the old men and, like, Hero is too... Like, almost everybody is. Like, they're pretty... I mean, Hero, marginally, he's trying to always protect Relena and... I think he's trying to protect Relena specifically because it's Relena. I I feel like Wu Fei is definitely a misogynist asshole. Yes, he's very explicitly. Anyway, my point is that, you know, her character was just like, what's up? I'm a soldier. (laughs) You don't need to gender me. But then, like, something they identified in this fan fiction that was really enjoyable is they said that she played a maternal role for a lot of the other characters. So like to see somebody like explicitly be like, Hey, I'm not going to gender myself in this context, but I'm also going to be nurturing because that's what I want to do and not tie it in with a gendered thing. It's super dope. So I loved her and she's got short hair and she's cool. So was Noin one of the inspirations for you to reforge yourself into a non-binary weapon of war and destruction? (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it's the weapon of war part. I'm not... <laughs> yeah, I was, I was hesitating because I was like, war, maybe not. But, you know, definitely an inspiration for my hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in this fanfic, though, in the end, she kind of puts herself up for a mobile suit test as a way of, like, saving someone else. It never really comes up again. And then she's recruited by Sally into the Rebellion. Um, there's, a, there's a larger plot, speaking of tests of mobile suits... The main background plot in the first part of the fanfic is that a couple of Marimea's generals are planning a coup. And they kind of tried and it fails. And then the action in the second half is that the rebels, who are more dispersed and less in the administration, are also planning an assassination of Marimea with, like, you know, 12, 18 distractions attacking all the military bases all over the world to try to get a shot at her. And that's kind of what it leads up to into the end. And a lot of the other action is kind of coming out, especially of that initial, um, the initial attempted coup by those couple of generals. The title of the fanfic, Anna Texas, comes from a weapons or like Gundam control system that's being developed by Murray Maya's military. Anyone want to describe it? Um, from my understanding, from reading the fic, uh, it's... A lot like the Zero System, which featured in Gundam Wing, and for those of you that don't know, that haven't followed Gundam Wing, the Zero System is a predictive algorithm that interfaces directly with the brain of the pilot of a mobile suit, wherein they can see all of the different possibilities that happen from a given scenario. Mm. Uh, This has the unfortunate side effect of driving a large number of the people that use it insane. Because what you see when you see the predicted uh, scenarios of the Zero System was that was a lot of them involve your death, a lot of them involve terrible things happening to a large number of people, uh, and you need to sort of be able to deal with and sort through that information, sort of the implication throughout the series is that you need to be able to understand that and understand how to have a sense of self in spite of all of this information in order to use the zero system accurately. Or like partition it off like Hero does. Like yeah. separate parts of your brain to dedicate to those things. Yeah. Um, Anna Texas is different 
in that it only it does not interface directly with the brain hmm. of the mobile suit pilot. It instead only interfa- interfaces with the controls of the mobile suit. Yeah, Wu Fei has a hand in designing it, and he didn't want any system that would take out the element of skill, of course. Mm-hmm. And also, of course, not driving people crazy was a high priority. So yes. it, it seems like what it does is the, the pilot issues a command, like, I'm going to shoot that other mobile suit over there. And then the system determines what the optimal timing is to actually make the shot, or, like, the optimal angle and, like, timing of making that action. Is that about right? Yeah, more like... It still sort of felt like it uh, made their decisions for them yeah, largely. Yes. That it would uh, give them the best action. It would just tell them to it, sort of display it to them on screen. Um, honestly, it felt like a very watered-down version of the Zero system. I, I guess that's the idea. Yeah. yeah, my impression was that it it kind of bypassed... It bypassed the the crazy, which is it bypassed... The brains, like your brains, if you were piloting the decision-making process, you bypassed that. Like it used predictive algorithms and created control. But it was almost like it was controlling the pilot's brain more than anything. You know what I mean? Like Wait, Anna Texas? Yeah. I don't think we were really we're I don't think we were really supposed to get that idea. It didn't seem no, to no, have no. that. That's okay. Let me clarify. What I mean is that it was more like maybe not controlling the pilot's brain, but more like instead of the pilot having full control of the system, it could access the pilot's brain to, like, bypass the predictive element and then create its own decision. Is that correct? Eh, I don't know. I don't even know. That that might be a terrible description. Suffice it to say, it makes you fight better. Mm -hmm. Computer make fight good. Right. (laughs) Um, All I'm saying is that I feel like the pilot's brain and the system are still interfaced, but the pilot gets to bypass all of the predictive elements that would make them crazy because they were messed up. Yeah, And for that reason, the system acts a little more automatically based on the pilot's own brain function. So it's not like it's controlling a pilot's mind per se, but it's like acting off the pilot's input, their brain waves essentially. Yeah, I feel like that was a, a pretty accurate. I'm not sure whether or not it definitely read their patterns of movement. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure whether it directly read off of their brain. Probably makes sense. The zero system can do that. So that would, that would make sense. It was a little confusing, I guess. Now, Anatexis isn't the biggest deal in the plot of the fanfic, honestly, Mm -hmm. but towards the end, it becomes kind of a time limit for the rebellion where like, Oh, we've got to strike before this gets installed on all the enemy mobile suits. Because they're just now kind of putting it into mass uh, practice. Tori, you were about to describe the like the groups at play here, like who the who the villains are or who the antagonists of each other are. Yeah, I wasn't going to go into detail, but I was going to say that there's there's something here that that mimics you know the general bent of Gundam Wing, which is there are several powers at play, and the players under each power play off each side, and a lot of the allegiances are unclear. And that's why this fanfic really kind of represents Gundam Wing. I was going to say that, like, specifically you have Relena and Wu Fei working with Marmea um, under this new dictatorial order of the world. And you have um, some of the remaining living Gundam pilots, because Troa and Hiro are dead, Supposedly. kind of 
Theoretically, yes. supposedly. supposedly. They uh, introduced that fairly early yes. on, that all of the Gundam pilots and Zex were dead, and yes. my immediate reaction to that is, either this writer is bad, or none of them are dead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so we'll see how that plays out, I guess, as we go through. But yeah, you have, um, Duo actually has become an alcoholic, and is dealing with a lot of stuff, but is like kidnapped and kind of forced into the rebellion by being put in another suit, right? Is that correct? In a... Um, he's only put into a simulation mm-hmm. uh, in what actually happens, but there was some it implication was sort of that they were trying to... In a very weird, not very psychologically sound <laughs> process, they were trying to revert him back into the way he was yeah yeah that was pretty goofy and that was a lot (laughs) what they were trying to do with the pilots and then katra is like leading his own faction of the rebellion um with all of the his you know soldiers from the middle east that he used to command and um then actually they mentioned that they weren't the Maganax, which she oh, was they allied weren't. with. Oh, originally. they were a different faction. They okay. were a new faction that he'd recruited, a new faction of Desert Corps that he'd re- recruited. Okay, since I missed then. that point, and thank you for picking that up. Yeah. And then there's also the Corporation Power, which is always the one that switches sides. Um, What's the Corporation Power in this? So, in this, it's a little more subtle, and it was actually a little hard for me to pick up on, but like, there's um, Dorothy's husband, oh right, and that who's um, like a very wealthy person, and he doesn't play a huge significance in it, but he like tries to have his own little political ploy, and it doesn't really work out. Um, Leroy something Westcott, I believe Westcott, and then um, now correct me if I'm wrong, but there's also um, Another, like, rich player from the Barton family, or related to the Barton family. Is that correct? I will go back in. If there was something like that, I just glazed over it. Yeah, I must have. I don't know. That's true. (laughs) I might be wrong. My point is, is that there were some, now not significant players, like, there, in Endless Waltz, there was a significant corporate power, obviously. Um, But in this, there were some, like, there were so many characters, and there was a lot of, like, rich people trying to get their thing, and it didn't really work out for them well, quite as well. But. A lot of the kind of rebel stuff going on, it, it doesn't end up being that important, because there mm-hmm. are these various factions and they or groups of rebels, and they end up having to make contact with each other, and they do, and at the end they're just cooperating. And there's really nothing that complicates that process in the story that I can mm-hmm. remember. Uh, yeah. if, if, I mean, I think that maybe the author's intention, and this is very speculative, was that sort of their their meeting up would be sort of a difficult process to go by, and maybe he didn't have a lot of plot to go into that, so they just sort of yeah. ended up... But yeah, in the end, they did sort of just end up, realize that they all know one another. Hey, let's all rebel all together. Fought, fought together before, <laughs> yeah. so... Rebel, rebel. <laughs> uh, if we're following threads, we haven't talked about what actually was going on with Hero and Troll, right? No, not no. at all. They were so one well, of they're the, dead. Yeah, they, they're dead. They're dead. That's definitely it. dead. That has it has never happened before that any of these characters has been presumed dead and then come back to life. Mm-hmm. Hiro Yui was dead to begin with. There's no <laughs> doubt whatsoever about that. Well, the Hiro Yui that is the political figure, he's definitely dead. Uh, For well, those that don't follow Gundam Wing, yes, Hiro Yui is yes. named after a politician. I'm not going to explain this joke anymore. <laughs> if you don't follow Gundam Wing, I'm sorry. Go listen to another episode. 
Mm-hmm. Like, this is not the episode for you. <laughs> but Hero and um, Troa are kind of... They were snatched up off of the battlefield at the end of the previous war by one of Marimea's generals, who is one of the ones who's in this coup. And he's kind of a, a Gundam pilot fanboy, obsessed with, like, pilots, both kind of as individuals and as a means to, like, gain military power. So he had them in a tank, and he was going to hook up their minds to Gundams to remote pilot uh, mobile dolls, right? He was going to hook up their minds to mobile dolls and never really got that to work. And he's also the one who was behind capturing Duo and trying to pop psychology him back into being a pilot. Mm -hmm. And Duo, it it really doesn't even work in the fanfic. Duo manages to bust out after, Mm -hmm. like, the first time they try to put him in a Gundam, he's like, wait, wait, wait. Like, he never really lost his sense of self properly and he just busts out and then he's wandering around the world until he comes back in in the last minute to kill Wu Fei um, that's duo for you did, did they try to trick him into a Gundam yeah they tried to trick him into a Gundam they're like <laughs> yes. hey you're actually 15 again or whatever and there's enemies to fight yeah, and he's like okay and they had recordings of Hero's voice like prompting him to fight these opponents it's very low budget <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the, the funny thing was is that like he this is why I wasn't sure if it was like a simulation or not is because he realizes he's actually fighting a real opponent at one point and I was yeah, like I'm not also fighting a, another also opponent that is a human someone, in another yeah. simulator right mm. everyone seems I to see. think the only way to test Gundams is to actually have them fight real people in I mean I guess that maybe that's true whatever yeah well there's such like a, I think that's probably true for most military equipment thing mm. with Gundanium as an some, element explains some of the spending in the military yeah yes they gotta make whole new ones in order to put child soldiers in and then put in the battle yeah. right, exactly without practice or yeah. warning well <laughs> admittedly the Gundam pilots did have a decent amount of knowledge of how to fight and how <laughs> apparently how to pilot mobile suits. Even to like repair them. them to some extent, don't they? Well, yeah, yes. Troy is Troy's apparently Troy worked for a long time repairing Gundams. He was he was also a child soldier with a mercenary group before yeah. he ever piloted yeah. uh, heavy arms. Hmm. Yeah, but before he would piloted heavy arms, and this is revealed in Endless Waltz. Well, it's not just revealed in Endless Waltz. I mean, they elaborate on it that in Endless Waltz, he's, like, working maintenance and repair before the real Troa Barton is assassinated, and he chooses to take on the name Troa Barton. Mm-hmm. He's not assassinated. He's killed by the... yeah. We, he's shot by the uh, assistant yeah. to the engineer of Endless Right, because The he, assistant to the engineer. Well, because <laughs> the real Troa Barton decided uh, that he wanted to take over Earth instead of just being a rebel from the colonies. Actually, this was the entire original point of Operation Meteor, mm-hmm. was that he was going to carry out Operation Meteor, which was being partially funded and founded by the Barton Foundation. Uh, and he was going to carry out the orders as intended, all of the engineers to all of the uh, Gundams decided sort of together and separately that they didn't want Operation Meteor to occur because it would have been very, very bad. The original Operation Meteor involved dropping a colony onto the planet Earth and then taking over using the Gundams in the ensuing chaos. So (laughs) they didn't want that. Because that would have been an immense loss of human life and ecological yeah. devastation. So they replaced Troa Barton. They killed Troa Barton and replaced him with um, Nanashi, which is the current Troa Barton. No name. No name. Yeah. Triton Bloom? Yeah, well, that's theoretically who he was born to be. But 
Um, if we go with that theory, he would have been taken away from his family when he was two, I believe. Yep. Anyway. Well, I I can barely keep this fanfic in my mind, much less things that actually happened in Gundam Wing. <laughs> yes, we're sorry. So. I feel like we've talked more about Gundam Wing than we have about the actual fanfiction. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. fine. Like, But we should see if we can actually co- coherently talk about this fanfic, which I know is difficult. It is difficult. It really is. It's just so many things going on. To be honest, I let's almost do feel like this fanfic is more complicated than Gundam Wing Let's do a quick plot thread check. sort of feel a little bit needlessly complicated, at least in, in certain points. In the end, a lot of the complexity just doesn't amount to anything. I yeah, agree. Exactly. And so we've got our plot thread of the Preventers and, tr- tr- what, Troa? Kind of, co- wait, is that the one who's the rebel? No, ca- 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 tra- Katra. Katra. Uh, I can speak languages. <laughs> Katra and, you know, not, yeah, Zex? Is that his Zex, yeah. Zex and the, the former preventers coming together and you know getting all the rebels all yes. lined up in a row and we've Noin got getting out of prison yeah. by like becoming a, a an authority but then like actually escaping from that and then somebody else escaping from prison actually oh that happens oh, later we uh, no no oh no, lady, lady Un. I was going to lady Un, but that happens a little bit later yeah. and I think we're at so anyway we, we've got the plot well we're the not point at is anywhere is that there are a lot of prison escapes in this series. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the plot thread of the failed coup, and that's kind of a demonstration to Marimea and Wu Fei that no, they really need do need to shore up their military power in Wu Fei's mind so that no one would dare rebel because that's how things work with military power. Right. Um, in fact, if we had been paying attention to Endless Waltz, that's exactly what happens. Like everyone should know that by this point. This is an established part of Gundam that there is an endless cycle. That's the whole name of Endless Waltz. Oh, is an endless cycle an of... An endless waltz. Well, yes. they specify that, that it's the endless cycle of war and then peace and then... What then was revolution. It? Then revolution, the yeah. The three so it's like war, peace, and revolution. Yeah, it's like, yeah, revolution, war, peace, revolution, however the cycle is supposed to go. And so <laughs> we, we've got that rebellion. Sorry. Yeah, no, we got that coup crushed. Uh, that's a main plot thread. We've got Duo escaping. Yeah. How does this shake out in the end? Let's just skip to the chase. <laughs> well, you want to just skip to the chase? Cause yeah, because... Yeah, because... a couple points. But... Oh, well, what other points do you want to talk about? Well, I mean, I think there's some significant... This is for me. There's some significant personal beats, like Lady Un's whole thing. She's in prison for so long, and she's... Actually, this was one of the most significant chapters to me is that there's a chapter of Lady Un, all of a sudden, it's a chapter of Lady Un, and we haven't heard from her for a while. Mm-hmm. She's in prison, and the whole chapter is about her backstory versus her current situation. She keeps getting visited by this prison psychiatrist who seems like he's taking advantage of her. Like, mm-hmm. he seems like he's probably, like, he tries to touch her a lot, and, like, I don't know, uses a lot of horrible language towards her that I could specify, but it, it's probably easy to imagine. Like, yeah, you're, you're doing so good and I like it when you put your hair like this. Like, he tries to braid her hair and put it up for her. You know, like, I prefer you like this sort of stuff. And so she garrots him and then she escapes. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I felt that was very satisfying. And it's, it's complimented by her backstory of she was in the academy as a young girl, and it was also abused in the yeah. academy, yes. also by men and or boys. And then she kind of finally stood up for herself, and that's when she changed the ribbons in her hair from white 
to red because of the blood stains of yes. It also explains why she puts destroying. her hair up. Yes, and that's the source. Well, because yeah, the blood got in her braids. She used to have yeah. long braids on the side, and now she twists them up because of the violence, which is really interesting. <laughs> and that's the source of her, the origin story of her. What do you call it? Dissociative personality. Yeah. Uh, split personality. Split personality. Yes. Whatever. Yes, which, yeah. which is a great origin story, actually. Like, I feel like the author yeah. did it. I thought it was as well really done as anything. Job. Like, I, yeah. I also agree with that. I thought that, honestly, that was very in keeping with the character. And I feel like that, honestly, of all of the things in this, felt one of the most canon to how the character is supposed to be. However, I did find it somewhat strange that she's still in the current time period alternated between the violent lady in one personality and the peaceful lady in the other personality since in the series she's By supposed walls, to she had like right yes. she's supposed to have fused those two personalities she's supposed to be a yeah. more complete person having reconciled the violent and peaceful parts of her nature and that was the same thing i thought because i started watching rewatching endless waltz like after i gotten through that chapter and then i saw her with her hair down her glasses off and i was like oh right yeah she's supposed to have like developed herself into a different person at this point that's more unified so yeah i feel like they overlooked that but are there any other character beats we wanted to check in on before we kind of talk about the conclusion yeah um i'm going to talk a little bit about how katra's portrayed Mm. in his role as a rebel leader in the in the fic uh i felt so in 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 the fan fiction he's become a lot harder and a lot in, in the present time, uh, he's become a lot harder and a lot less empathetic, is sort of implied a little bit, um, stated a little bit, that he's now colder and harder as a person in his leading of this rebel faction than he was originally in Gundam Wing. And I felt like this character point came off a little bit shallow to me because it's not like Katra had never experienced tragedy in the events of Wing and in the events of Endless Waltz. So, yeah, he's supposedly this way on account of all of his friends and in particular Troa dying since it's implied that he had a romantic relationship with Troa, which is not unreasonable. Um, But... By the end of Wing, he does have this whole speech in which he says that human beings are nothing, are like less, worse than animals if they cannot, you know, empathize with other humans, if they cannot experience kindness. And that sort of juxtaposition was very weird to me. Is there anything that either of you... He does have some lines about kind of needing to make the same mistakes more than once before he uh, kind of reached the point he was at. So I think he feels like he was too soft, but he learned like from tragedy to get harder. And then he was too soft again, he learned from tragedy to get harder. And like, he's... I, I think that's where they were trying to go with him. It's not the most interesting direction, though. Well, actually, I thought this was actually like a pretty interesting thing with Katra, because... Um, you know, you always kind of feel like in Gundam Wing, like, Katra as a character is a little bit divided. Like, he perpetrates violence, but he, like, purports to have this love for life. And you almost don't see him fully experience. Like, he gets really sad about 
having to to kill and having to perpetrate this violence, but like you almost get to fully see that division. And this fanfiction was interesting because like, yeah, he definitely seemed harder. And it's interesting because I think in the epilogue, one of the epilogues, the part B, maybe. I'm looking at up as we speak. Part A was pretty short. Yeah. Most yeah. Concerned. Well, it was the thing where uh, Sally was reflecting on all the changes that each of the pilots had undergone. But they were like older changes, like the things they realized gave them purpose. And she says that the thing that gave uh, Catra purpose was he, re- like, she was talking about their, rep- their personal revelations, like, um, duo real, oh gosh, I wish I could find it right now, but Catra realized personally, like, his revelation was, this might have been in the epilogue part A, actually. It's not in part A. No. But it might not be in the epilogue. It might have been mm-hmm. the last chapter. Anyway, my point is, is that Sally is reflecting, and she's thinking, I actually think it was the last part, of all of the pilots have had these revelations. And, you know, Hero realized that he has remorse for the lives lost that he's, you know, that this that he's committed and that he doesn't want to be like this anymore. And, like, uh, other things that people have realized. And, and uh, it was something about Troa realizing um, his independence. But Catra realizes that he loves life above all things and he wants to protect human animal lives. And I thought that was kind of shallow because I was like, he always felt that throughout the series. I mean, and I think the same thing is true of some of the other revelations. Certainly Hero regretted all of the lives that he felt he had to take in order to end war. And that was the whole point. it It was supposed to be a very poignant moment. and It was just kind of funny to me because it, also just doesn't describe how Catra's character has been. And the, uh, I don't know if we identified all the pilots are supposed to be several years older at this point. Oh, yes. We did mention briefly at the beginning this takes place seven years later. Right. They're supposed to be pretty much, you know, young adults in their 20s. And and Catra really doesn't seem like the real Catra. And, like, for towards the end of the story, Sally to be like, oh, you know, Catra's real revelation was that he values human and animal life above all else. And for him to act sort of differently in the story was kind of one major disconnects for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad that you felt that as well, because that was definitely what I was trying to allude to in what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this came up at a couple of points in the story that sort of the way that, that like Catra was the way that he was in wing in spite of all of the tragedy that had already happened to him. It's not like he hasn't seen people he cares about die terribly in war for stupid reasons. Like, his dad was killed by the Barton Foundation in the events of of Gundam Wing, and he didn't react to it terribly well, but he learned from that, and he grew, and he remained kind. And that was sort of the profound part of his character, is that he was able to retain his kindness and gain strength from that kindness... Yeah, except that he continues to go on to pilot the Gundams, which is also a disconnect. So, I don't know. Maybe the author just had a hard time with that character. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I felt like that disconnect in Wing was more explained in how his character is, rather than here, where he just seems to be someone different for reasons that are not entirely explicable. I think that's true. (laughs) So, a bunch of plot threads all come together for the conclusion of the fanfic. And I feel like the two main things that need to be resolved are uh, Wu Fei's and Murray Maya's ends. And Wu Fei, 
uh, ends up finding and capturing Sally, and it's kind of a moment of reckoning between them, where she's she's said, you know, she doesn't want to kill him, but she wants to save him if there's anything worth saving, but it's not clear whether there is. And she tries to talk to him and reach him about the fact that, like, no, supporting a tyrannical regime is bad, actually. Please, <laughs> yeah. please don't. Well, and uh, it, oh, go on, Mato, sorry. No, just that he has... Um, he has completely committed himself to the position that the only way for war to end is for there to be a strong central government that crushes all opposition. So, Mono, I don't know if you did watch Endless Waltz or, like... Not all of it. So, the end of Endless Waltz, this is an interesting parallel, is that Wufei and Sally have always had a kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know that. if it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it implied to be romantic, though. I think the fic makes it romantic, I really, like, in a certain I, way, you know? Almost. I'm like, not... more like best friends. Like, they're, like, there's something, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're definitely friends, especially yeah. by the end they're, of the, the uh, series proper. And I felt like they like retained that fairly well. Yeah, yeah. They, they're partners. They end up being but, partners. The Wu Fei ends up joining the Preventers in the canon end of Endless Walls. That was what I was about partners. to say, yes. <laughs> is that they end up, the very last scene, where like at the end of Endless Waltz, the ending is like, and then there was peace and Gundams were destroyed and nobody needed to use mobile suits ever again. There's scenes for every Gundam pilot where they're doing something that's like nice and peaceful. And Wu Fei scene is that he joins the protectors and he rides around in a jeep with sally and they like actually it's kind of weird because it's supposed to be nice and peaceful but they're like doing a weapons test i think but they're at least like they're they're like their thing is like oh well if we have to we'll protect the peace we have i guess it was the idea this is the part that has agamon so, in the suit right what this is the part that has agamon in the suit right <laughs> Was that a reference Wait, to what? the MD-02? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that took me a second. <laughs> For a second, I was I had no idea what you were saying. I was like, Agamon is set. I was, oh, Agamon. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, what did you want to connect there with the scene in the fanfic with Sally and Wufei? Well, because at the end there, Sally and Wufei have this conflict that we were just talking about. Like, um... I don't know, do you remember better, like, than I do, any of y'all, like... Yeah, like, um, the gist of it is that Wufei, like, after Wufei captures Sally, and throughout this, throughout the entirety of the fic, Sally's been continually insisting that, uh, if there is some redeeming quality in Wufei, she wants to bring it out. Yeah. She wants to yeah. be able to confront then him he captures and her and he, he's trying to, like, get information out of her, and it's... Yeah pretty aggressive and, and and he's and she tries to you know talk him into joining their side and it fails and the situation was resolved with duo maxwell busting in because he's been kind of escaped from his prison wandering around america being duo yeah and he though, what's that well the though previous to that um wufei is it performs a lethal punch. Mm. Something they specify to be a punch that would be lethal to a human. I don't know how it's possible. It's okay. I mean, Whatever. You, you can but kill people with a single he punch. Barely, it is yes, but he it's the force that's lethal, which is kind of exactly. crazy. Like if he did her anywhere he would have killed her anyway. Yeah, so one punch can cross this is, Yeah, this is the just inches to apart from her. Um and, and splinters the wooden chair and messes up his knuckles and she 
I think passes out because she's severely dehydrated and drugged, and that's also like a big shock, so no surprise, right? Anybody probably would. And that's just really funny because it's like he he just could have killed her at that point, but it wasn't his prerogative. He, it, it, there's no reason for him to mess up his entire hand on a wooden chair either, you know, like, well, they only to a, have his, his, the person he's trying to question pass out, which is also not ideal. Yes. I mean, I feel like that was explained in that Wu Fei's character in this time period is having a lot of problems with anger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this was a fully reactive thing in relation to what Sally was saying to him. As opposed to yeah. uh, something that he was doing tactically. Like, it's a well, funny reaction to the end of Endless Waltz. You know, it's almost like, this is how it should have been. He's so mad <laughs> that it's not how it should have been. I don't know. Well, he, at the very least, is not happy with himself, even with the things that he's espousing. Because when Duo comes in with a gun and is like, oh, I'm, I'm here to kill you because how could you have killed... How could you have turned on us and killed Hero and killed... Um, I guess he's just accusing him of killing Hiro specifically. Mm-hmm. And Wu Fei knows at this point that Hiro is in fact not actually dead. And in a millisecond, a thousand futures sped through his mind, his being Wu Fei. Destiny, purpose, meaning. Whatever the path, it all ended here at the point of Duo's gun. He made his choice. Yes, said Wu Fei. His eyes cleared, the knowledge of what was imminent glinting in them. He is dead. And, like, he knows that he could have averted being killed by Duo there if he had wanted to. Probably, maybe. And he chooses to commit, like, suicide by Duo by doing what he knows will make Duo pull the trigger. And that's how Wu Fei ends in the story, except we've got a couple of epilogues, which we'll have to get to. Meanwhile, the other major threat is Marimea, right? And so, in the war effort against her, the the kind of stasis pilots who had, had almost died, that's Troa and Hero, are remote piloting huge numbers of um, of mobile dolls, and they're in some kind of, like, half-conscious state, right? Yeah, they're not even should fully... should point out how they got to that yeah, point. That's I guess so. Was that was not uh, a plan on Marimea's part. Oh, no, 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 of course not. That, that's, like, the factor that lets them win the war, yes. it seems like, because no one expected it. Uh, they were hooked up to, this, like, the testing systems that that former general had wanted to set well, up. Hold yes, up. Right? So Hero and Troa's bodies are still alive. Right. And back to tanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. Explicitly back to tanks. Keeping them alive. And this is something we didn't know. Everyone thought they were dead. Well, most people thought they were dead. So for the people that specifically, due to their clearance level, knew they were alive. And so, any so. readers who had a sufficient knowledge of these yes. characters. Yes. <laughs> but now, an interesting point is that their bodies have not aged. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we don't know why, but they also still have, like, several wounds from their deaths. It's They've been healing very, very slowly. Correct. But they are still alive. So they s- create a really creepy sequence here where um, this guy, what's his name, this one agent, goes down there. Yeah, Vanderwalls, Agent yeah. Vanderwalls. <laughs> oh, yeah. He goes down there, um, sees these teenage bodies floating in their respective fluids and feels all these creepy sensations like something's invading his mind. It's very Lovecraftian. Oh, yeah, and then, like, Tro's eye, like, opens, opens and looks at him. yes, his single eye, because Tro's hair is always, you know, famously covering one of his eyes. It probably has two, though, right? 
Theoretically. <laughs> Though I, it's together. funny because in the anime when he like switches sides, like turns his head, it's like different eyes that are visible. <laughs> so one could assume maybe he only has one eye, but it switches sides of his head. It's like a quantum state. Yeah, Occam's Razor just says that must be the case. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> well, he's clearly just sprite flipping himself. <laughs> That's what it looks like. That's a useful That's skill. That's true. Like, so true. Anyway, yeah, there's this creepy thing around these unaging teenage pilots in their tanks, and it eventually results in this Agent Vander, what's his Vander face? Walls. Felix Vander Walls, I looked yes. at his first name. And he dies <laughs> at the end of that chapter. Yeah, because the mobile dolls that were set up there mm-hmm. start moving. They start moving. Crush him underfoot. And they start moving because... Tell me why. I don't even know. Because the spirit of their mother oh, is inside them. Because, yeah. well, <laughs> because uh, Hero and Troa have collectively become a world-spanning machine spirit. Yes. Their consciousness, consciousnesses <laughs> are linked. Consciousnesses are linked. <laughs> and they are linked to the mobile dolls, just as the experiment intended, I Yeah, suppose. and they're here yes. to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and they're floating back to tanks and don't have bubblegum. <laughs> and so all they really are doing... like. I, I don't get how they have enough awareness of the situation to know who they're supposed to be fighting, but somehow well, they do. So they this is mentioned identity, a couple right? of times, is, it? is that there is a, the, um, Mary Maya's world order has created a collective, internal, supposedly secure computer system, which spans the whole world, but you can't really get into it from the outside. So all of her facilities are hooked up to this, this system, but this system, it's hooked up to everything in the system. All of the cameras, all of the mobile dolls, all of the ever, you can access anything from anywhere in the system, which is just really the problem that they always have in sci-fi, which is you should have separate, secure, isolated <laughs> systems. <laughs> but uh, supposedly, I think the idea, they don't actually mention this specifically, is that Hero and Troa were hooked into the system and were therefore able to manipulate every part of it because with their minds interfaced to the computer via the Zero system, they were able to effectively act as human computers. So they have a Gundam instrumentality project and they take over the Magi? Yep, that's that's about (laughs) right, yeah. (laughs) And that's what basically lets them win the war. And, like, Marie Maya managed to get into a bunker when the Rebellion's acting, and, like, it's a Gundanium bunker, and you just can't do shit to it. And so, what, but, except, in the end, they kind of can. Yeah, so, like, she's in there, and she's kind of freaking out because the only person she cr- trusts is AWOL, that being Wu Fei. And, you know, he ends up getting shot, and so he's not coming, even I, though she's like, she'll totally come. I was kind of half listening. If you would have told me there was a character named AWOL, I, I would have been <laughs> idea. AWOL. It's a good nickname. Yeah. That should be someone's nickname. Well, my name starts with A. So, just throwing so... that out there. It seems like an aggro nickname for you, Alana. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, she gets into a bunker. The war is kind of won on the basis of the mobile suits showing up and helping them. Even though pretty much like every other rebel pilot in a mobile suit dies except for Troa. And Troa is using the Zero system. Sorry. Like Katra. Uh, Katra. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, I, I confuse those two. They're both blonde. Yeah. Well, no. Troa's hair is kind of brown. Yeah, never brown. mind. They're not both blonde. And it's a fan fiction, too, not a fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Katra's been piloting like a, a Wing Zero reconstruction. Yeah, he apparently, in 
plot that we glossed over because there is a lot of Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. We can't hit all the little details. He reconstructed Wing Zero <laughs> as a hobby. <laughs> like, yeah. it's well, not... it's part of his revolution, I think, to have right. a Zero system. Yeah. It's nice to stay active, though, you know? Yeah. Conveniently, of course, missed the, missing the Buster Rifle, which anyone who has seen Endless Waltz will know would make it pretty easy to break into Brussels. I know, right? <laughs> and, of course, his... Uh, Wing Zero is a small two-scale plastic replica. So <laughs> that's a bit of a problem, too. But, you know, you glue it together, yeah. you slap on some coats of paint. Yeah, I never get past, like, step one where you have to cut all them out and shave the... You know, that's that's oh, that is really difficult. Yeah, that's I, true. I, I like just snapping things together much, much better. Selling toys is gun to wing and dead. <laughs> anyway, uh, they kind of win the war militarily because of the help. And then... But in the bunker, what happens is that Relena does what you'd think she would do at some point and, like, holds a weapon to Marie Maya and she's like, stand down, but she doesn't actually kill Marie Maya. And she's like, yeah, if you were going to kill me, you would have done that. She holds a and hairpin then, to her temple, which is... Okay, that's just not an effective way to kill someone. No, it no. wouldn't work. <laughs> well, <laughs> but I mean, anyway, sufficient maybe? amount of force. I don't... Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it depends on how sharp your hairpins are. Right. She's... Little do you know, she has spent years sharpening it to her razor. <laughs> <laughs> You need like a four inch blade, I think, in order to kill somebody. Yeah. Well, it was an interesting mimic to the uh, to Endless Waltz in the original because of like the whole thing with Marime at the end. That whole scene, actually, yeah. Every, yeah, it was a mimic. So, yeah, but, let's go over that scene more. Well, after nothing comes of that with Relena. Well, um, it's, yeah, you're right, nothing comes of that. What, come, what does come to something is Lady Un showing up. Yes. And I didn't quite understand. She had had agents in there? She had compromised something? What? Um, much how did she like, get in? Much like Hero and Troa, who were able to hack into the whole system of the world, because Lady Un had broken out of a prison, which mm-hmm. is on the system, which is a you know government facility, which is in the system, she was able to access the facilities, I think the implication, not exactly explicit, but she was able to access the systems even of the Brussels, of the bunker in Brussels. Yeah, it's just from, terrible. Yeah, that's Don't scary. interconnect all your computer systems. Yeah, that is the lesson of this, uh, that's, of this a, that's a terrible bunker. Yeah. <laughs> if you can hack but it even remotely. then, that's such a vague implication. I feel like there wasn't a good explanation I didn't quite get that. it. But I mean, La- Lady Un comes striding no, in. No, that, that's the best explanation we have. We'll go with that I one. mean, it's probably good if these guys stop war and fighting because they seem kind of bad at it. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, Mari Mayo was never very good at war, actually, <laughs> well, she was okay. Out. If we go by the timeline presented in this fanfiction, she was, like, six years old when they originally... I'm not sure that's wrong, though. She was still pretty... Yeah, she was pretty She was supposed young. to be a child, but I always thought she was supposed to be, like, a very small-looking 12-year-old or something, which is still bizarre, but, like, at least... I know, like... Yeah. Anyway, she's, like, six. Six. Mm-hmm. So, As on. my older kid grows, I'll let you know when they seem ready to head up a military dictatorship. <laughs> good. At good. four, well, probably not yet. Darius? I don't know. Give him a year. Yeah. Little kids can be really demanding. That's oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> you bet I know that. We had a tough time getting to bed tonight. Oh, my God. No, my four-year-old that I support in inclusion could definitely be a dictator. <laughs> <laughs> but w- we get an emotional climax for Marimea because she. we've had a flashback from her where her mother, before she died, was like, no, your father will come back for you, and if he doesn't, he'll send someone. But he'll totally come back for you. And she's emotionally vulnerable in this bunker, not so much because of the uh, because of the rebel-like attack, she doesn't care so much about that, but because Wu Fei has gone off the grid and, like, is not coming back for her. And so because Lady Un is yeah. the one who comes 
in, you know, with like people, with allies, with weapons. But she goes to Murray Man, she's like, I've come for you like your father said someone would. Like, I'm your yeah. emotional support now. And she kind of collapses into Lady Un, and it's kind of, it doesn't come out of nowhere, but it was a surprising it way to end. It completely mirrored Endless Waltz, where she also has the same collapse, but it felt a little more forced because now she's 14 instead yeah. of 6, so. I mean, I feel like she's sort of been emotionally stunted at 6, though. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. it, it, yeah, the fact it that she read... was like, I'm a dictator. <laughs> yeah. It read somewhat <laughs> accurately to it's her character. adorable. <laughs> uh, I know. It's difficult with that character, because, like, so much of the time, even in Endless World, she's treated, like, kind of like an adult, but then eventually she collapses like a child, and that same thing happens, well, so... I think in the, this fanfic, and it, right. it does make sense. It creates it exactly. Like I feel like this is endless waltz delayed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? that's, yeah. that's exactly explicitly that scene. Yeah, I agree. Exactly and like and the me. themes are all the same too. It seems like of endless waltz. Yeah. Uh, like, like like you said of the, uh, the cycles of which is why it's so power strange. And such. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I felt like in a lot of ways it was sort of. Um, in terms of the philosophy, a little bit less profound. They weren't actually talking about, like, regardless of how well you think Endless Waltz discussed the theme of trying to bring about a lasting peace, this wasn't even talking about bringing about a lasting peace. This was talking about just ending one dictatorship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I feel like that almost might be a little more practical. I mean, we can get into that a little later. Let's well, try to wrap up what we were... Th I, that's all I wanted I to say about the ending. I want yeah, to get I mean, into the next part because the ending, yeah. there's two epilogues, and it's interesting. They're very different. I feel like they're less different in terms of what actually happens in them and more different in terms of how they're written. And yeah. at the end of part 14, the last part, it says epilogue possibility A or epilogue possibility B. They're not supposed to be compatible. Though Which they're really not that different. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, how are they incompatible? In... Yeah, I was going to say, how are they incompatible? <laughs> they're incompatible because of what happens to Wu Fei in each of them. Uh, Supposedly. Uh, yeah. I mean, but... I would like to point out that if you really were a dictator hated by every a servant to a dictator, a lieutenant, right -hand what's, his, what's his actual position? Whatever. Leader of armed forces, which a dictator controls. You probably wouldn't want to uh, continue on in the world without faking your death. Yeah, well, so a, epilogue A is, it's like a high school student writing a history paper about a war, is what it seems like. Mm -hmm. It's like very sophomoric. Um, but winter history presentation, charismatic characters of the War of Liberation. And he's like, I, I didn't want to choose any of the wars that everybody's writing about, so I'm writing about this one. <laughs> and he's basically like, yeah, so the world nation was bad, they say, and the United Council was good, but have we considered that Wu Fei was a super cool guy? <laughs> it's like basically like some like proto-neo-Nazi yeah. high schooler being like, yeah, yeah, but weapons are cool, though. Is there anything I mean, else it, to take from that? It it didn't come off as quite that bad to me. <laughs> it felt like he was, uh, like the the writer, the character that was supposed to be writing this paper, was a little bit um, devil's advocate, mm -hmm. but not that he was doing it because he like fully believed. No, I, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> uh, but. You know, he ends his paper saying, Another hundred years might pass before we remove ourselves further from our biases. By then, Chang Wufei may be seen as the hero, not the villain. For it is characters such as the colonels which make battle glorious, a soldier made immortal at 24. Wars create fame. Peace creates obscurity. And I give him a B. 
<laughs> really, that's generous. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, like C plus. I actually felt like that like that paper. It felt like it was going somewhere, but at the end, it was just like uh. There was no point to that. Oh, also, he doesn't cite his sources. So, actually, I'm, I'm going to have to yeah. knock him down a full letter grade. Oh, man. There we yeah. go. <laughs> going to say that. Peace creates obscurity. There's a lot of famous people that don't fight. I mean, this like, is true. Yeah, anybody, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing in Gundam Wing. Like, it's a lot about war versus peace and whether war is necessary to preserve peace. And it kind of leaves it up in the air, I think. Well, yeah, I don't think... I mean, Gundam Wing is a a fairly complex an- uh, analysis of the scenario, but they... Writers did understand that this is a very hard problem to solve. It <laughs> is. They did yeah. not come to firm conclusions on really anything, because... I- that was probably the best choice, really. Yeah, it, it really was, because um, it's a lot about po- politics and political intrigue. So, and it makes sense. Um, I will say that I'll, I'll praise the writer. Like, I hated the ending of this essay because peace creates obscurity didn't mean a lot to me. I was like, um... I think that the <laughs> character that's supposed to be writing this essay is, yeah. in a way, supposed to be an analog for someone who follows, yeah. like, Trazes' hmm, ideas. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think they're trying to say our current time obscures what it would have been like to be in a warring time, I suppose, but it's hard to think of being in a peaceful time, you know? It's hard to imagine what these characters would feel like in these times. But I will say that they, they the author does a really good job of, like, creating, you know, a feel of, like, of a specific character writing about a specific thing, a specific place, a specific time. Yeah. And they do a good job with all of the political moving parts throughout their whole thing. And presenting this as, like, a college or high school paper, college probably high paper. school. Jeez, I would have failed him. I know, <laughs> I know. It's probably a high school paper, given the fact that it's not very well supported so or whatever. What, what? Presenting it like this, like, just kind of proves their whole, like, political, be- you know, it's like, this is a poli-sci paper, you know? I, I kind of liked that. And what, what class is... Uh, epilogue B, a uh, homework for. <laughs> <laughs> epilogue B is actually a much more regular Creative epilogue. Creative like writing. <laughs> you're, we're, it's like we're checking in with some characters after the story, and Zex and Noin get to like have some words, and um, I don't, I don't know enough about them to be able to comment on their scene. Oh well, they they've always had a relationship, and and I like that. It was interesting that the author paid so much attention to their relationship, especially giving them their whole dedicated epilogue for. Zex and Noin, I mean, not the whole epilogue, they have a second part to the epilogue, but the first part is all Zex and Noin, like, finally being able to be together. And Zex reunites her with the characters from her introductory chapter who never appeared since, like the people who were on the prison mining asteroid. Presumably they were in prison, that would be why they didn't show up again. No, I know, I just mean, like, structurally as a story, like, I I was like, oh yeah, them, at this point. (laughs) Oh yeah, those people, Um, From that part that was not terribly in character with Noin, yes. <laughs> Relena is visiting Hero in the hospital, and his his body's atrophied. That's another part of the epilogue. Um, his body's atrophied because he was headed back to tank for forever. And yet he's still 15. He, well, yes. yeah, he's I mean, if it had really but... kept him in stasis, wouldn't he be, like, physically sort of... I know. That's still... the confusing well, part, right? He's... Like, he hasn't aged, but he's somehow his muscles have atrophied. Like, what? Yeah. 
It's not how that works. His yeah. argument is also like, I should not be in a hospital under guard. I should be like out yeah, doing stuff. Yeah, but enough. that's his argument based on his perspective. Right, like, I think we're led to believe that that's just him being kind of like, eh. I mean, yeah. we're led to believe that at very least Duo believes him enough to create an expression yes. in yeah. Launcher. Which is a very great parallel to the first season of Gundam yes, Wing, yeah, where that, that originally happens. That was like the bonding moment between Duo and Hero, is that Duo busts Hero out of uh, hospital and no. Oh, so, what yeah. percent of Use Gundam Wing is people busting out of places that they are <laughs> oh. trapped in? Um, well, I would say less than this fanfic. But <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's true. Uh, I'd like to point out that actually Gundam Wing is mostly people blowing up government facilities. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> like I true see. heroes would. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I agree. Well, yeah, Duo busts out uh, Hero, and Hero is totally down with that. It's like, well, come on, let's go have adventures. I'm a high-functioning alcoholic. <laughs> you are a 15-year-old person with atrophied muscles. Let's go do cool stuff. Sounds wacky. Yep. Well, they're good friends. Yeah, it, it, it works I, fine. It's kind of sweet. Like, it's actually the first, like, personal moment in this whole story. Like, because like I mentioned before, like, there were less, like, banter moments than just, like, Dudes being friends, kids being friends, and like having fun Girls together. Being pals. Yeah, there was way less of that, like, than in the original. Not that there was a whole ton of it, because it was mostly political stuff and like trauma and a lot of stuff and in um, Gundam Wing. Philosophy but, discussions. Yeah. Described the thinly but disguised as This robot was battles. one of the nice moments where like they were like, hey, this is our buddy thing, and it made reference to the source material, mm-hmm. and that was that was chill. The third scene in the second epilogue is Katra and Troa. And here's where I, as someone who was not following anything, was like, oh, these two seem really emotionally close. Uh, like, it's... Mm-hmm. They don't really say anything explicitly about the exact nature of their relationship, but, like, they are very happy to be each other and... To be each other. To be together with each other. And... Um, it's a little bit hard to follow because there's some flashbacks in the middle of it to other things that also were epilogue, but not this specific moment of epilogue, and it it didn't have to be that way. (laughs) And then the last scene to end the fanfic on, the second second epilogue, ends with Wu Fei, who in this continuity, in the first English paper continuity, he was supposed to be dead and his body on display, uh, because that's a thing you do with dead bodies, like put him in a museum. Uh, But in this case, he survived, and he's kind of approached by uh, Tres. Dormians. (laughs) Kushranada. Tres. What's our German name again? German name? We have lots of German names. Wait, Tres? Tres? Tres. Tres. Three. Tres. That's the German three, right? Oh, you know... To be honest. Dry is German. Oh, okay, not dry. Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, this guy's also supposed to be dead, but he's not, right? Isn't he supposed to be dead? Yeah, Trace is definitely supposed to be dead. Well, he's not dead in this epilogue. He he goes and he's like, hey, Wu Fei, good to see you. How about we go maybe keep on conquering the world or whatever? Like, just, just an option. And the culmination of Wu Fei's character here is that he's like, no, I'm good. I, I will not continue to war, given the choice. He says, thank you, Trace, for offering me the honor. Which the is te- 13 in French. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, the, for the temptation of fighting for the sake of the fight alone. But my answer, my refusal, must disappoint you. 
A pause, then Therese's quiet laughter traveled to him from a distance. No, it was magnificent, Wu Fei. Thus was the ending, and Chang Wu Fei slept, waiting for the beginning. Now, was this supposed to be like a, a vision? I, that I he had? took that as a vision. Was it a vision? I mean, Trace is supposed to be dead. Yes, okay. Trace is very obviously dead. That's never happened to a character that came back. But. <laughs> right. Yeah, like that was the confusing part for me. I was a little bit lost this well, epilogue, and rereading it, I kind of see where I, I got lost. Oh, and now I see where they are in a sunlit clearing suddenly, and uh, yeah. yeah, okay. So, so it's a vision. I actually thought it was compatible because I thought it might be Wu Fei's death, like him seeing Trey's in death. That's that why I thought it was oh. totally compatible well, with the that first would make the, sense. The way but, that I thought that it was compatible was that, like I said, if you served a tyrannical dictator, you would probably want to fake your death. And they mentioned in the in the first mm. part of the episode how would life still be alive. like. Well, no, that Wu Fei would be okay. that Wu would fake his death. Um, and they mentioned in the first part of the epilogue oh, how lifelike his body looked, mm. and yeah. I felt like that would probably only be possible if you. Well, made a and they'd, fake body. <laughs> or, like, they already established the suspended animation thing that they could do. I thought he I might suppose. just be, like, in halted animation like the other pilots had been in their youth. And it, it's a weird that choice anyway. I mean, it's super weird if you put him in a museum, but, like, I don't know. It's, it's just funny. It's a weird choice anyway because even if they are not completely compatible, it would have been trivial to make them completely compatible. It's not like they're hugely divergent endings for the story. Truth. I and, thought they were totally compatible. And, so anyway, th- this is a vision from Wu Fei, but it's still his kind of emotional character climax to be like, no, I will not continue to war, even though war is like my thing. And I'm going to set down my weapons, yeah. metaphorically. Well, yeah, because the whole point of Wu Fei's character in Endless Waltz was that he had fought Trey's at the end of Gundam Wing and won in the duel against him, but hadn't really overcome his ideas and his philosophy. Mm-hmm. So when he was fighting on Marimea's side in Endless Waltz, he was sort of carrying on Trace's philosophy that uh, large there there are a lot of different parts to it, but the one that largely is relevant is that uh in a world where peace has become sort of the way of doing things, it can often result in wars coming down to the press of a button and without like actual soldiers actually experiencing war and fighting on the battlefield they the loss to human life becomes so de like um so remote yeah displaced from yeah displaced from human experience like you don't experience the idea of people dying when you press a button and all of a sudden a missile is launched and thousands mm-hmm. of people die. Um, and without that experience, with war becoming commonplace, then it will last forever. It will obviously last forever. There will be no way to stop it. I might be reading a little bit into Trace's philosophy in, in saying that, but that, I felt like that was definitely part of it. That's definitely Wu Fei, I think. I don't yeah. know enough about Trace. Yeah. Well, Wu Fei's thing is to be, like, a good soldier, you know? But a lot of that has to do with his pride. Hmm. So yeah. it's a little bit complicated. Well, we need to wrap this up, even yes. though the fanfic being what it is, we've kind of lurched around the content. We have. Now, are there any final things that we have to complain about that we haven't talked about yet? In terms of complaints, mm-hmm. I feel like I've addressed most of mine. 
I actually feel like I had pretty few. It was a good one. Um, yeah, the only thing I can say is that it, it didn't quite fit the tone of the original in that it was darker, but I can't fully say that's a, an actual complaint. Like, I, I do think they handled the darkness fairly well. They might have put a little more, I don't know, like assault and bad things in it than they needed to, but I kind of always feel like that sometimes about these books. So. Mm-hmm. I think it's very common in fan fiction to see people going a little too very darker than the source material. Yeah. Not all the time, but it's it's a recurring thing. Yeah. But in terms of doing that, this fan fiction actually didn't do it very badly, mm. you know? It was just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have any particular... Yeah, I felt like they dealt with the darkness pretty well. I think my major complaint with it was that... Uh, Honestly, the real draw to me of Gundam Wing as an anime, and I've probably made this joke too many times in this episode already, hopefully some of which will be fixed in post, (laughs) but uh, is that the whole series is basically just people fighting in giant robots as a metaphor for a philosophy discussion. And I didn't actually get a lot of philosophy out of this. There was very little, like, people with well-developed ideas fighting against other people with also well-developed ideas, and that clash resulted in one of them being wrong about something in some way. (laughs) There's also relatively little fighting in giant robots. That's also true, which seems very weird for a series (laughs) which is almost exclusively fighting in giant robots. Yeah, this this fanfic was, like, mostly, like, espionage and infiltration and some sort of, like, interrogation and kidnapping. Yeah, lots of that. A lot yeah, of, I mean, like, some political intrigue, in but you're right, like, way, less but... of the philosophical ideologies being espoused, and that was kind of strange, now that you point yeah. it out. And to me, that was made a little bit worse by the fact that some of the characters seem to have regressed in their philosophies somewhat, mm-hmm. gone back to either where, how they were at, like, the beginning of Gundam Wing, or even less than that. But, uh, yeah, I, there were definitely some instances where philosophy did come up, and those were appreciable. Well then, to close off this fanfic, what are the main things that you think are praiseworthy about it? Did, did you like the structure for me? <laughs> um, I, I can start, I guess. Uh, yeah, do I? I? I feel like I've talked a lot. That's the only reason I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> oh, well, I thought we'd established a pattern. Well, no, I mean, the problem is that I, I'm trying to temper my whole talking a lot thing, but y'all seem to think I, I should talk, so I guess that's okay. This one, yes. <laughs> it's a philosophical disagreement. We need to get out the giant robots. Ooh, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all for this. Well, well let as someone who was trying to stay oriented and not super familiar with Gundam, I'd say the writing is generally effective. I'd say sometimes they sometimes they lose me on the flashbacks, but I think that's more because I'm not a good enough Gundam Wing fan and less because it was inappropriate use of kind of switching between scenes or, uh, or having flashbacks or that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, actually, Amano, you're reminding me, like, I know we're supposed to be on the praise part, <laughs> but you are reminding me of, like, a specific, not necessarily criticism I have, but, like, a certain point of confusion is that, pardon, they brought in certain new characters, like that one kid mm-hmm. who was the son of the person that Noin was in, no, it was is it a son of someone Noin knew that she adopted when she was in prison still, yep. and and that character, like, becomes relevant at the very end and becomes like a an actual political figure 
Does he? At the very end. Isn't it the same person? Like, Kevin Raleigh or something is the same person. They mention it very briefly. And he's also a pilot, you know? And it's like... It might see this is like a point of criticism is that these new characters are brought in and then they're kind of dismissed and then they're brought in in like very brief segments and that becomes confusing and now I could be wrong about this character being the same but I think they are anyway my main point is that that's why it's confusing is you don't know exactly who every character is they'll call out of characters by name and then they're not like it, it doesn't seem as cohesive because there's so many named characters that return in specific instances and you don't always know. But I also think that leads me into like a certain point of particular praise, which is it does having so many particular characters, having specific roles and playing all these political roles is actually like a great part of Gundam and Gundam Wing, you know, and all of Gundam series is that they're very realistic in the sense that everybody has a role to play and there are like so many different characters being players for different organizations, and they're all significant as human beings. And that's the great thing about Gundam Wing, is, like, it mm. takes account and stock of all these political organizations and, you know, corporations, and takes all of the people involved in that and makes them all real people. And this fanfic also does that to an extent. I think it could have done it a little more, but, like, in trying to pay homage to that, I think it did a really good job. And that's actually what felt so Gundam to me. And I... Now that I'm thinking about it, for a dark, you know, bad end kind of post-series fanfic, it seems to like all the characters, and it does not kill off any of them for shock value. Everybody's miserable in their own way, but no one is just, like, off to to make a point or to raise dramatic stakes or just to kind of show how terrible things are. The author is trying to do something with pretty much everybody. And that definitely did feel interesting going into it. Even when I didn't really know the characters very well, it seemed like everybody had something going on. Yeah, I mean, I did make that comment earlier about how when you heard that all of the Gundam pilots had been killed off, that it was either they were all still alive or the writing was bad. As it turns out, they were all still alive, and therefore the writing, uh, there's at least some hope for it. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't, I, I would have expected the author to bring back the Gundam pilots, because that's what the fans want to see. But, yeah, you know, I'm too. sure there would have been temptation to just, like, off some of the, um, some of the secondary characters or supporting cast to, like, just, get some cheap drama. Just you know? some people. Yeah, exactly. And they didn't. And yeah. I think and it, I appreciated that as well. That's yeah. also keeping <laughs> like most of these people are are pretty much mostly made of iron. They did survive through several several wars or uh-huh. already and pretty terrible things happening to them. Yeah, but at the same time, they managed to not kill Tro and Hero. Actually, like to bring them back in this very dramatic way that didn't also it didn't feel too forced. I don't no. think. But also they had time to deal with the other characters changing as a response to their absence. Yes, to the fact they thought that they were dead. So they had a chance to deal with that like severe level of grief. And they didn't this wasn't Pokemon Master. Like they didn't deal with it in a freaking freaky, like melodramatic way. They dealt with it in a fairly reasonable way. Like Yeah, and they don't give up the fight. Pretty much no one does. No, yeah. it just felt very real. I don't know. And it felt very Gundam, like I said before. It's, yeah, I just think the author did a really good job, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Out of what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, as far as things that I really liked, other things, if we're mm-hmm. moving on. Um, that was your last chance. <laughs> I didn't think that some of the turns of phrase, like some of the specifics of the writing, were actually done very well. Like there's a, a introduction to a scene where they compare Maramaya to like a porcelain doll. Uh, they talk about the light glinting off of the gold rim of her teacup. Uh, and they use that as an analogy to say that maybe like, you know, that it seemed as though all of this was an illusion and that the piece that they'd maintained was also an illusion. And I think things like that, like they'd ha- often have phrases, uh, little parts in there where they did make a metaphorical point using the description of a scene and it all seemed to flow very well. And the writing was honestly fairly decent in some of those scenes and I don't know, did either of you, to, you any of you, have any thoughts on it? I, know, I noticed a couple it. things that if I had been better prepared, a couple of um, paragraphs where I thought the writing was specifically good. Um, but it's definitely one of those stories where the author doesn't want their writing to be in the way a lot of the time. A lot I also, of the time it's very plain, yeah, and that works fine. That's actually a really I good way to put it. I also appreciated that as well, is that it, even though there was a lot of time that I felt like there were characters that were doing very little, outside of that, all of the scenes were introduced in a very concise way, where mm-hmm. you sort of got a very good idea of what was going on without a lot of text. There was no, yeah. you know, purple prose, I suppose. And mm-hmm. and no particular section drags on, which is also nice. For something, yeah. that's, for something that's, that's fairly long like this with a whole lot of different jumping between things, it's nice that you don't get too bogged down in any of the writing. It's super interesting that you say that, Amato, that you don't get bogged down or the writing isn't in the way because it's, I totally agree with you, but... It's funny because I have to actually take a step back and look back at the writing and like and analyze this like formal element to see that this writing is actually very good because mm-hmm. you're right like you could almost look over it but that's because it flows so well and nothing yeah. is clunky. It's very well written and I didn't it's notice very well written. I didn't notice a single grammatical or spelling error or like it's it's edited right. to perfection. It's edited very well and this <laughs> yes. is very different like um in the sense of like it's very well written, but it's totally different from our Avatar fanfic. That Which we was had. very well written, it's but very the well writing written, but is the like right there out. in your face. Yeah, like yeah. every like idiom was right. beautiful. And this is not, it's not that it's not beautiful. It's just, it's so concise and utilitarian. And that also feels very Gundam to me. Like, mm. it's spectacular how they did this, really. All right. Well, thanks for joining me on this adventure. I'm glad that I can choose a fanfic topic that I know almost nothing about and we can somehow make it pretty much work. Uh, thanks very much, Chris, for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> we appreciate Anytime. it. We kind of got in over our heads and talking about Gundam Wing, and we were like, Tori, you're just going to have to carry all of this. <laughs> well, that's why I invited Chris, because we right. needed help. <laughs> I, I hope I didn't bog down the conversation too much with continually referencing all of the minute details of Gundam Wing art. Not, I, I just appreciate you talking while I was uh, flipping through the Gundam Wing art book. What's the best thing you found <laughs> in the Gundam Wing art book during well, this time, Doc? Like, they have some fun pictures of characters, but then every so often they have this, like, Backstreet Boy band thing, and oh, I don't know. yeah, those are the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're hanging out at a tourist spot, you know. Mm-hmm. They're all wearing white tuxes. <laughs> those oh. very Backstreet Boys. Yeah. That, what was that album, Millennium? <laughs> yeah. 
I, I mean, I never owned a Backstreet Boys album. What are you talking about? <laughs> he thinks they don't protest too much. <laughs> this was episode 22 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Anna Texas by Alex Sims, it turns out. You can find a copy of it on the author's personal website, the link being bit.ly slash rfrwing. The intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And we are on Twitter at retrofanfic. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com, or even better, leave comments or reviews on one of those websites. <laughs> I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. And I suppose that I'm Chris. <laughs> we suppose you are too. <laughs> we are just four Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Mission accomplished. There's too much of that. What are you even doing? Like a (laughs) boy band aesthetic throughout the whole thing. I was not a fan of. That is the main thing. Like, that's the weird part of it is that it's like. That's the reason why I have so many women as fans, but like, it still keeps a totally Gundam tone. And it like treats the the child soldiers as child soldiers, even though they're like also hot guys. Like it's totally weird. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't feel bad for Space and Sync. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's super weird. Please don't, please don't describe Gundam that way. I know. Well, like once you actually watch it, like you don't feel that way at all. But like the aesthetic of it is totally that. Yeah. Very boy band. <laughs> well, it's like Sentai team. And yeah, like everybody was like, one. which one's the cutest one? I know, I, dr- I had a duo costume when I was 12 or 13. That's, I still have it. Anyway, I was in love with him. He was awesome. Like, I wanted to be a duo, but... So who plays what instrument in the Gundam Wing pilot band? Oh, that's well, good one. You know, and you know fans have thought about this and made fan art of it. I'm sure. Fanfic of it and all of this. I'm but the real bent of Gundam Wing has nothing to do with them being cute boys. Yeah, but, but I still need to know who plays the drums. incidentally, they are. Yes. Right. That's the freaking weird thing about Gundam um, Wing. It doesn't I'm fairly certain the duo plays drums. I think you're right. Yeah, okay. That's but, fair. Uh, I mean, actually, like, Katra canonically plays a violin, and yes. Tro canonically plays a cello? I believe. Mm. I think they're going to have to switch instruments. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. this picture I'm looking up where they're all shirtless playing instruments has, I, I think, the Wufei playing drums. That's in my um. art book. <laughs> oh, no. Wait, can I go grab my art book? It's upstairs. Yeah, sure. You like? We're not hey, really God. back into it yet. No, I know, but I do have to be up in the morning. Oh, okay. I know, I'm out of this. I also do. I need you guys to see this. Wow. Nice. (laughs) Okay, okay, yeah, he's definitely on keyboard. Mm -hmm. I got that. Duo is, what is Duo doing? Oh, Duo's vocals. Yes. Oh, okay. That makes some sense. (laughs) No, I think that checks out.
Hey, you can play instruments with your shirt on, but you know. <laughs> but why would you? You, can't well, you have the option. That's a good point. <laughs> okay. This represents everything that is weird. Well, okay. Kind of way. Wait to talk about it until you're on the microphone, even though we probably won't use it. Well, I'm gonna just page through it while you guys are talking. <laughs> this, like, just on the first few pages, this represents everything that is weird about Gundam Wing. Because it's really a political drama about child soldiers and their psyches. But when you look at the art book, they're all like Dom. Look at the first couple pages. It's, I mean, it's, oh wait, okay, yeah. Keep flipping. Yeah. There, there's a couple <laughs> portraits where like they're pulling their shirts up. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like what is that? <laughs> He's like, hello. <laughs> he was literally sitting there pulling his shirt up and looking coy. Like what is happening? It's got very thin waist. And Duo just says that all the time though, right? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's so weird. And Duo has one of the most traumatic. Well, they all have really traumatic pasts. Ah, speaking of traumatic, um, and yeah. duo in the standpicks. Anyway. <laughs>